Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. My first guest today has served the Dundalk district as a proud member of Angarda Siakana for 30 years and although he has many happy memories of his years of service he has faced many challenges as a guard working on the beat in a border town. In fact he started out his career just six months after rioters attacked the Garda station in Dundalk in 1972 a defining moment in the policing history of Dundalk. Pat O'Donoghue's story is just one of many featured in a fantastic new book on policing history in Dundalk town that Pat has written the book is called A Border Beat Policing in Dundalk and I'm delighted to be joined by the author Pat O'Donoghue's on the line with me now How are we doing Pat? Good morning Sinead How are you? Listen I'm great and firstly I have to congratulate you on completing this book It's fantastic to have a book like this which is documenting so much important history in Dundalk town but tell me first of all where did the idea to write the book come from? Oh, you could all say it started back when I arrived in Dundalk District in the mid-70s there. Um, I met Paul Cavanagh. He was the son of a retired guard there. And Paul was a professional photographer. And he knew, I got on very well with him. He knew I had a great interest in local histories. And he encouraged me to gather photographs. And he gave me old photographs himself. And I gradually built up a collection. And I became, you could say, the unofficial curator in the area of police matters like that. And it came up to the 75th anniversary in 1997, and I was asked to do a little booklet. So I'd done a little bit, made out a little historic booklet on the station and the events and things. And it snowballed after that. I got a lot of material left into me by sons and daughters of older members, that of the, even of the RIC, that had policed the area. So I accumulated a serious amount of stuff altogether. And um, eventually Michael Gaynor, uh, chairman of the Old Dundalk Society, encouraged me one night when I do a little talk and pass on my information. So I went to the Old Dundalk Society meeting, I gave them, informed them, and I made a little slideshow out of it. Done as best as I could, went down very well. And a lot of people that said, there's no point in keeping all this to yourself, Pat, you may as well give it to the public, it belongs to the people of Dundalk and border area, and they're entitled to get it back. So that was the beginning of the book, the seeds were sown at that stage, so I went to Liam McNiff then, and he was uh, he did, had written a book about the Gardaí, I discussed it with him, and he said to me, Pat, you know it from the inside, you write it as it happened. So that was it, off I went with my material. And the result is this the fantastic book. book. There. And uh, even as I wrote it, uh, uh, members that I work with, I spent 30 years in the district altogether, and that would have been from the 70s right through as I retired in 05. There were, there were rough times, there, mm. were times, there were challenging times. But um, So a lot of the guys that I work with uh, give me material that they had as well too. 
Yeah, because I'd say it was almost cathartic for them in a way, Pat, because as you say, you know, they're working through the, the troubles, that kind of thing. You know, they've they've seen an awful lot in their years and even getting that out to you and now it's materialised in this book is fantastic to have. Yes, well, police in Indian Dog prior to 1970 was the same as it was in any other part of Ireland. Mullingar, Cork, Waterford, anywhere like that. But then when the trouble started, then it changed completely. Dundalk, Dundalk was a border, a border town is completely different policing than down the country. Mm. Well, for my reckoning, but anyway, uh, looking at it through the years, there's a definite culture along the border area. You would be dealing with a northern culture, a southern culture, and even a, border, a definitive border culture for that matter. And you go further south, then you have metropolitan policing, and then you have rural policing in Middle Ireland. So... That was my assessment. You'd meet hundreds of guys coming up on temporary transfer. We'd be exchanging stories and completely different up here. Now, I have no experience of policing down south. So yeah. I was born and raised along the border and here I am still talking about it. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said there, you started your career, you know, in 1972. And this was a very important moment in, you know, not just policing history, but just in the history of Dundalk in general, because this was just six months after rioters attacked the Garda station there. Isn't that right? That's right. That's right. I I just haven't got the exact date. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, the 21st of September 1972. There was a political meeting held along the square, and uh, as a result of that meeting, anyway, 200 people marched into, they lined up in fours, and they marched up to the Garda station. On the way up, they took a crowd of hooligans with them, they wouldn't have much love for law and order either. Mm. And they proceeded to attack the station with petrol bombs, and the ton patrol cars upside down, there were 200 of them in it. And lucky enough inside, there was only six or seven members who were walking that night, three or four of them down the town and three in the station. Uh, Dennis Daly was inside and lucky enough he had the key to a gun cabinet and they were just about to come in and bomb the station down when he got a Nuzzy sub. No, it wasn't a Nuzzy, it was a different machine gun anyway. He fired over their heads and uh, they went out. But they came back in a second time and he had to fire over their heads for a second time again. So at that, they scattered that and went back down the town. Fire brigade was coming up to assist them. They surrounded the fire brigade and broke every window in it. And on their way back down to the town, broke windows, smashed traffic lights. So eventually help was called in from extra Gardaí, came in from Caribou Cross, Kells and Dardy and everywhere like that. And it took a few hours to get the, get the troops together. But by 12 o'clock that night... Uh, the town was back in control of the Gardaí. They nearly lost it for a few hours, mm. only for Dennis Daly. And um, that was the beginning of it. And like, did you, fe- how did you feel? You know, you're a new recruit, you know, you're six months, you know, you're, you're only, you're no new to the job. You come in a, a six months after all this happened. There must have been a certain level of anxiety and trepidation with yourself, Pat. There, there, there was no uh, protocol for this. There was no, you got the same training in Templemore as the guys that came out in the 50s and the 60s, and all of a sudden this strange era came upon you. And looking back on it, you kind of accepted madness as normality. You touched the mm. bombs and bullets and everything. This was going to be it. You just got on, you lived with it. You took each day at a time. And there was no such thing as armed robberies back in the 60s or anything like that. But as you come into the 70s, and up, I just checked the day before coming on to you, I think it was 1982. We had 24 armed robberies in the locality. Oh my God, that right. Was, that was what uh, part and parcel of policing was. Everything changed 
everything so, uh, changed around then and you know in, ter- in terms of um, you know your like your detail and obviously your own life and you, you don't shy away from documenting the difficult history uh, you know throughout the, the 70s and 80s but you do go right back really in this book all the way yeah. as far back as Robert Peel don't you? Yes, well, it would be unfair to just talk about the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and 90s. So, it would, so what I done was I went back forward in history as far as I could and drew a comparison between early and late policing of the 20th century. And I got material going back to 1880, photographs of RIC. The RIC, but first of all, just to put it clear to your listeners there, perhaps, the police force that was, were there before the Gardaí up to 1922 was the Royal Irish Constabulary. They were formed in 1934 as a result of Sir Robert Peel working on police effects at that time. They, they became the Royal Irish Constabulary in 1934, and in 19, eight, sorry, in 1834 and by 1867, they, got, they were titled the Royal Irish Constabulary mm. of Victoria after subduing the uh, Fenian Rising. So they came on down and they, they were our police force until 1922. Uh, they were accepted in quiet times and things were, 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 were good, just ordinary policing. But when the political situation came into it, Irish people wouldn't have it. And by 1922, they were disbanded. Then the Gardaí came in then. So my stories on photographs goes back to that era. I tell stories of what happened. I tell about the murder of Mary Callan. That was the first major investigation that the young Gardaí that came to the dock had was the Mary Callan murder. Okay, they were yeah. mad for work, but they didn't. Uh, they weren't just had an experience of all the policemen, and they had to get the. Uh, well, the bottom line to that story was the it, 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 the investigation went on for a couple of months. It was going nowhere, so they got an, an experienced investigator. I think it was a superintendent Hunt down from Dublin. He set up a team and they drained Captain Bell's quarry out there. And they found the torso. As a result of that torso, then wheels were put in motion. To cut a long story short, anyway, uh, the, the crime was solved, the murder was solved, and there was a young man, I just can't think of his name at the minute now, was, was found guilty and hung. Well, that was just an example of one of the stories that was there. So and, and this is, yeah. you, you, as you say, yeah, you absolutely, you document as far back as you're saying there, all the way through to, to moments in, in your own career as well. But of course, you also have, you know, whilst there's the grisly side of things, you also have, you know, joyous occasions. I mean, like the time Bill Clinton, obviously, and his family arrived uh, in 1999, was it? Uh, that was obviously uh, documented yeah. here as well. That's right. That was a major, that was a massive security success. Um, that the President of America recognised Dundalk and his people and what, they, uh, what went through for years and how good things had become now and all of that. It was a very, it was a great success. But in 19, I meant to tell you that in 1997, we had the 75th anniversary of the Guard Station, uh, of, of the police, of the Guardian in Ireland. Yeah. And the crowd was got together locally and we got around our local superintendent to open up everything to the people. So we got the station open. There was thousands of people came, parents came with the young families, we fingerprinted, was there, there were cells open. So it was a great, let, it's great to let people come inside and see what we worked at and mm. all the time. So that was one of our most greater successes of that era. It and <laughs> the likes of Mr. Clinton coming along too. 
<laughs> absolutely I love the way that you, 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 you compare but absolutely this is what comes true in the book your love of what you did serving the community this is what comes true not just in your story but in everybody's story uh, in the book which is fantastic now you wrote the book for a few reasons you know for posterity obviously to document the great work carried out for Ang- from uh, by Angarda Shiakana and Dundalk throughout the years but also to pay tribute to five brave men and you wanted to raise money for two local charities as well with the, the sell of the book wasn't it? Yeah, so that's about exactly, that's exactly how it happened. Uh, um, well, first of all, I wanted to get it written down. It was a record that had to be put down because uh, Dundalk had its times like that. It was, and what, I, what I gathered material that was here, there and everywhere, I put it all together and I put it into the book. And now it's, 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 it's one unit. Now, I dedicated to the book to the five Gaudi that lost their lives on duty in uh, Dundalk district. And um, it, it's three, two were accidentally killed and three were murdered. Mm-hmm. And, and um, 20 medals were also given out for courage for, for, for to, to guards facing down uh, gunfire. And I'm obviously in that were taking place. So uh, I've all that recorded there as well, Sinead. And it's it's important because you know you've a, you you tell a story where you know these men were awarded these you know medals for their bravery for their work and it's a case of they put it into their pocket and carried on the next day and came back in and that's what the true measure of these people actually were. Oh, definitely, there's no there's no messing about you. Just uh, uh, you could be the hero one day and the next day you come in and you just carried on. Yeah. With uh, uh, can I can I mention the name of the five guards? You can. I was just going to ask you. Absolutely, tell me. Yeah. 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 Guarded John Lally, Sergeant Paddy Morrissey, Detective Guarded Desmond Dixon, Detective Garda. Oh God, as I say his name, Adrian Donahue, and Guarded Tony Golden. They're the five men that lost their lives. Oh, at least in this area, Sinead. And I know that you, you know, as I'm, I'm talking to you there, you know, as I mentioned, even at the start of this introduction, you know, there, there is a lot of pride. There is a lot of happy moments throughout your career. But there's also been an awful lot of challenges, as you've outlined there, and hardship. But that each and every one of ye, Gardee, served the community. And this is what it's all about. And this is what you really wanted to highlight in the book. Um, and you know I commend you because it's not an easy thing to do Pat and particularly you know the, the, the speaking to the colleagues that you worked with and them re- retelling the story it's reopening wounds that as well there but it's very very vital that we have a book like this just to finish off what in your opinion makes a great guard? <laughs> I doubt if you could ever answer that but fully Sinead I don't know Oh, I don't know. It's from my experience anyway, and working with different people and all that. Well, first of all, you have to be firm and fair. There's no doubt about that. But from from my experience, you, you deal with a lot of people all the time with tragedy and things like that. And I would advise any young guard, listen. Keep listening to them all the time. You know, very important to listen to people. Take on board what they're saying because I remember going to one serious situation one time and I knew we weren't going to get it sorted. I was a serious housebreaking and the female at the house was very annoyed. So it was coming to the end. We fingerprinted on everything. And eventually she says, look, at, um, I know we'll hardly go much further with this, but at least you listen to me. So when you hear something like that, she recognises, listen, it's very important. 
Absolutely, it can mean an awful lot to, to somebody. Pat, you've written a fantastic and truly important book. I wish you every success with it. You will have more printed in the new year because I understand Christmas demand. It's out the door altogether, isn't it? It's gone. It's gone out completely. Yes, uh, and, and as I did mention to you, it's for charitable purposes as well, Sinead. The, the proceeds are to be divided between the, uh, the homeless and with the women's aid, uh, the homeless in Dundalk, Ireland. Yes, the Simon community, absolutely. It just wouldn't come into my head. No, you're, you're, you're fine, Pat, you're fine. Well, listen, we'll watch out for it and no date you'll have more in uh, the new year printed out for us. Uh, absolutely um, f- fantastic talking to you, Pat, and congratulations with it. It truly is a fantastic piece of uh, work. Thank you, Sinead. Thank you. Thank Thanks a million for joining me on the show today. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 